0: good morning grinders i did the special one since we've actually got basketball slates good morning grinders welcome to the, the the dfs pregame show here on roto grinders i'm jordan cooper aka blender ed blender hd if you want to follow me on twitter and this is the show where we would normally go over yesterday's slate which doesn't exist and then talk a little bit about today's slate which kind of exists it's kind of it's a two-game slate Hey, there's no one on the injury report, I don't think. I think we got some probables. I, th- I think we may, we may be fine today. We may be fine. We may actually have a slate where everything that's that's in it right now, is that's exactly what's going to happen. But, I mean, I, sometimes I've said that on short slates. And then it's uh, Luca's out, Westbrook's out, and everything. under Haywire. It's, the, it's been the all-star break. Who needs to sit for load management anymore? I don't know. But maybe. Maybe it happens. Someone gets a headache. Who knows? Who knows? Paul George got dizzy because he drank too much caffeine or something. Who knows if that's true? But uh, but you never know what's going to happen. But I'm always here every day answering your strategy questions no matter what. Right. We've been we've been having fun. We've been having fun with Eli behind the scenes. He's, he's been producing the show for the past couple of days. So give him a thumbs up for that. Don't do it. For, don't do it for the, the apple juice. Who cares about the apple juice today? Give it for Eli for doing a good job behind the scenes. Producing the show, you can't even tell. You think it's Devin? It's not. It's Eli, right? Okay, so so it, uh, is that an insult to Devin? Like, how easy of a job is it going to be? Can you know the guy? The guy that has the Guinness World Record for clapping is able to produce this show. That's that. That's that's what it. Maybe maybe we'll clap for you, right? If you want to you want to hear some of his clapping you can go on youtube or whatever and find it so hit that thumbs up button hit the subscribe button if you're new here hit the uh, the notification bell to know when we go live and we have a grinders live show tonight or crunch time or something something going on tonight uh before the slate uh but uh the past couple of days has been fun with the youtube chat people the loyal fans of the youtube chat daniel hutchings matt me your card fan angel palmer dj cicero of course mr meat plow Max Coach One, Sam Deal, John Johnson, Stephen Martin, C. Brisk, Zach Hobbs, we're all here for this wonderful uh, two-game two slate, I guess, right? Is this the halfway point of the season? The All-Star break is kind of the halfway point, right? We're going to get to the point a month from now, Now, then we get into the tanking teams, right? We already have COVID, which is, is, is blowing, you know, games are being canceled, guys are sitting, who knows, contact tracing, and then when you get to the last month of the season where the teams that are completely out of it, you're not going to know who the hell is going to play for them, right? They're going to be bringing up guys from the G League. They, 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 they Two guy. oh, who knows? They, 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 they just sit today. Who knows? Who knows? So that on top of it. But by the time that happens, we'll have baseball back. So we'll, be able, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about MLB than deal with the haywire. What's the 11 o'clock show during the last couple of weeks of NBA season? What's the point? It's like, a lot of times, 6.45 at night, there's no point right because half the late games you don't even know what's going to happen so nba dfs is just it's going to turn it even into more of a shit show than it's been okay that's what's going to end up happening so uh so but we, we do got a two-game slate today which i mean it's it is what it is right uh the main thing on the two-game slate you, you have to know if you're playing large field gpps is uniqueness right don't be duped right if you can or be duped less because it's uh you don't have many options. Right, I think that the chalk is going to be some type of uh, Wizards-Mavs combination because all those Spurs guys are like are, are available now, right? Or most of them are. Like, I think Aldridge is back, and and I think Vassal is available, and uh, Derek White is back. So, like, a lot of these Spurs guys were priced up for when you know guys were out. I mean, Keldon Johnson's, I guess, a little bit cheap, uh, depending on how many minutes he's going to come back into after the All Star break. But like DeRozan and Murray, I mean, they're they're a little bit overpriced. You know, I've got eighty five hundred with Derek White back. Yeah, maybe hey, maybe that's a way to get different, right? He could still he could still put up fifty five points, right, or something. They could be a blowout in the other game because that's the way you should strategize it. You go, okay, one of the two games blows out, and I just stack the other game or something. So pick pick one of the bench guys from from the blowout game. Okay, you could do it that. Way. You could build a lineup that way. You could. Because, because I, I mean, like, let's say, let's say the 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 Washington-Memphis game. Like, let's say Memphis blows out Washington, so that means Westbrook, Beal, those guys may not make value. And then, you, then, then taking a DeRozan or a Murray, you know, they get enough raw points. It's not like Murray needs to put up fifty-five points. If Westbrook only puts up forty, then you're good. Beal puts up thirty-eight. If Memphis blows them out or something, you get you have uh, Joe Val in there with forty-five points. I think you're fine. So you have to think in those terms. It's only two games, so you don't need you don't need seven to eight x out of all these guys. You don't you don't need it. You're probably not going to need it. Just finding a way to get different. That's that's the more important fact in large field GPPs. Obviously, in small field GPPs, you still have to get different, but just not to to some absurd extent. You don't have to worry about duplication as much. But I'm I'm here to answer all your your, your YouTube questions. That, that's what today is. There's nothing to review from yesterday. So typically half the show is that, reviewing stuff from yesterday, 15, 20 minutes. Well, that's gone, okay? And then we got today's slate. It's only two games, right? And we're not even waiting on news. So how much can we talk about that? So ask your questions. I answer it. It's very straightforward here on today's show. If you're listening to the podcast, you're not showing up live, uh, obviously rate and review on iTunes. You could always listen to the show later. You can watch it later on YouTube as well. But if you have a question, you can feel free to come on in. Eleven o'clock in the morning Eastern. Ask your strategy questions. The most most of them are smart questions on this show. Most of them, right? There aren't any stupid questions. Only stupid people. So, so don't worry about it. But you could always you could always email me questions also. Questions at theoryofdfs.com if you want. I do I answer all my emails for the most part. For the most part, sometimes sometimes it takes me a week. Sometimes I go then do it in bulk or whatever. So you'll you'll get a response at some point. Okay. Chandler Cannon asks, uh, in my Theory of DFS podcast, you said you played beat, big GPPs, but now you say smaller GPPs, wondering what your personal reasoning was for that. Well, I, I've, I've explained it in the beginning of the season. Like, the, ed, the biggest edge is in large field GPPs. That's where most what, casual players, Joe Schmo's on the couch, they're playing, they're putting in one $10 lineup and a dollar and a dream it, right? You look at the bottom 15 to 20% of lineups in those big GPPs, they're garbage. Garbage lineups. The garbage lineups either just plain ass garbage. I mean, just someone's rostering an injured player, you know that type of thing, or or they're you know they're they're playing six guys from the same team. From no no way all six of them get there on a ten game slate or something. Or they're or they're building min cash type lineups. They're building cash lineups like double up type lineups that really don't have much of any win equity. So that's where the edge is. But the problem is, is that those those GPPs are just like so insanely top heavy. That all the equity, all the positive EV, all the plus EV that you can get is in the top spots. So you like coming in eighty is not a long term winning strategy. You have to get get a top five, top ten, top five, top one. Like you need to hit that at some point in the year in order to be profitable. But obviously with variance, that the swings to do that is going to be ridiculous. You can go eight months, I, eight months losing, losing, losing down. And then bank a hundred thousand. Do you want to have to rely on that? Right. That's you'll you'll get the the, the highest return if you're a good player in, in large field GPPs. You'll get the most the, the highest rate of return by doing that. But the sample size. I mean, you go a year. You could have a year losing, and then have the next year you win twice. So like the stress of like oh going on a thirty thousand forty thousand dollar downswing. Just to make sixty thousand at the end of the year, well, you know your 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 year is dependent on like maybe two or three days a year. I mean, the whole year is dependent on two or three slates, about it, right? Five slates. Sometimes you're. I'm in sixth. Can I come into third or what? Like that's that's what's going to make or break your entire year. Or you could play smaller field GPPs. Yes, you don't have the 100K to first, but you have the 5K to first, the 10K to first, that type of thing, 20K sometimes, smaller field. Instead of 50, 70, 80,000 entries, you're playing against 1,000 entries, 1,500 entries, sometimes 600 entries. You don't have the obviously better competition in in those contests. You're going to get less, you know, crappy lineups, but the swings may be much lower. But all I care about is that what happens at the end of the year, what's what's what happens for that one year period and which that in and of itself is arbitrary. So at the end of the year, my goal, my personal goal is to make between 50 and $75,000 on average per year that I play DFS. So if I can make 50,000, if I can make $50,000, do I make it all on one shot playing large field GPPs? Or can I make that steady more more so. I mean, this is gonna be dips, there's gonna be gaps and dips and valleys. But can I make it less so I don't have to rely on, you know, playing eighty entries into the large field contest and you know, eight hundred dollars turns into four hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars turns into six hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars turns into seven fifty, and eight hundred turns into nine thirty, eight hundred and they're just constantly doing that and you're bleeding money away and want, and then bink, and then you know, eight hundred turns into fifteen thousand. Eight hundred turns into a hundred thousand, hopefully. Do I want to do that? At the end of the year, how much money do I have then? Or do I make it more consistent? And if I end up with the same amount of money at the end, why wouldn't I rather just do it that way? Who cares about the large field GPPs? Even though there is more edge in there, to realize that edge is going to be a journey. It's going be It's been successful for me for five years. But going forward, I'm like, well, what happens if I just didn't play large field GPPs and I played small field GPPs and more cash volume? Will I get to that point? Because I could I could show you right now. I brought it up. This is my this is my roto tracker graph for the first two months of this year. Okay. So I imported March 1st. So this is through February 28th or whatever, right? Okay. So I didn't get the past. I mean, there's barely been a contest the past couple of days, so it doesn't matter. So I'm at $28,345. Right. We already have the cash bankroll tracker right here where I'm up $18,589. Okay. So I'm tracking the cash here. I mean, it's in Roto Tracker, but in order for public view, you can get this tracker at tracker.theoryofdfs.com. This is public, so you can, you could you could look at this all you want, anytime you want. I update this every day. That I obviously play contests, and this is just for cash games. But overall, it's like, like yes, uh, in in basketball, I had a five k finish. I had an eight k finish, and in in soccer, I had a ten k finish over the this past two month period. But like like right now I'm at, uh, you know, 28,000 or so over two months. It's been a good two months. Okay. So then can I, can I expect $14,000 a month? No, but still if my goal at the end of the year, at the end of the year, which we're going to still have the baseball season, we're going to still have the the next football season and everything in between. Can I get 50 to $75,000? So based on just the first two months, like, it seems like instead of wild swings and trying to bank large field GPPs, this may be more sustainable. This may be less stress. Because looking at my all-time, like my all-time right here, my all-time is uh, $394,775. But you see, look at this dip. I mean, I had to dig myself out of a nearly $30, $35,000 downswing and then now I'm back. I mean, like I, it's like it's like waiting for the stock market to recover, right? I'm still in the same index funds, and I'm just I gotta wait. I gotta wait a year for that that sucker to come back. But that's because you're, when you're playing large field GPPs, you're gonna get these types of graphs where you're gonna get low bleed 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 bleed, bleed, bleed bink. Right? I got two binks in short succession back in 2018. But look, down, 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 and then it comes bink, and then bink, and then bink, and then down, and then bink, down, and then bink, you know, and it progressively goes up like that. But look at these periods of, like, like, just nothing. Like, it's just up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, waiting, just trying to survive for the first place finishes or the top five finishes. Like, you could go a long time. But playing the small field contest, the time in between may not be as much, but that obviously the return isn't going to be as much. So that's why I switched over. I said, let me let me try this. Doesn't mean I'm going to completely not play large field GPPs anymore. I may do some more in baseball than in basketball. But let me, let me see that. My, my goal, I mean, I, I think it's a reasonable way to think about it, is that how do I make the most amount of money for the least amount of time and least amount of stress least the least lowest variance least amount of swings maybe maybe my expected return playing large field gpps over the course on average in a year could be $90,000 but it will be swings of like ridiculousness and a lot of like stagnation for 3 months of just like slowly bleeding away or i could do it this way and make 70,000 so yeah, yeah, I'm giving I'm giving up some expectation, but like, I'm not sweating a thirty thousand dollar downswing because it's likely not going to happen. Right, my downswings are going to be lower, they're going to be shorter. My upswings are going to be shorter also, but as long as I'm trending forward and going up, that's all that matters. Can I make it in cash games and small field GPPs and end up at the year with the same amount of money? To me, to, to me, that that's that's prudent. Now, if your goal is to make a half a million dollars or something, yeah, yeah, then you're gonna have to take on a lot more risk. I'm I'm a nit, okay. I mean, I play I play in a way. I mean, it's not like I'm a nit when it comes to building lineups for GPPs. I have no problem taking hey, it's a hundred dollar lineup, and pff, that's my strategy. It's risky, and either I win first or I win last. I that's not that's not what being a nit is. That's how you should be playing GPPs, but being in it with your bankroll, being in it with how much you risk in order to get that return. And I probably left money on the table. This graph probably, probably, if I was much more aggressive, I I could have easily, I could, I could be easily leaving a half a million dollars on the table. But of course, that risking that, you know, that the expectation could have been rerun bad, and now you're broke. So you have to weigh those two, two things together. So that, that's my attitude. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, you know me. If you if you, if you watch my stuff, if you listen to my content, you get the course, theoryofdfs.com. How to think like a professional DFS player. Theoryofdfs.com. Like I, I talk in terms of like, this is realistic returns. Not how to make a million dollars playing DFS. How to be profitable. I think that's, that should be the goal. Not many people are profitable playing DFS lifetime, long-term, very small percentage. How to be one of those people, whether it be $1,000 you make over the course of a year or $5,000 or $50,000 or way more than that. To me, that, sh- that should be your first goal. And if it involves being being frugal, you know, doing some of the boring stuff well, then that's what it is. It's not all fun and games. I consider this to be fun, but I, I mean, maybe I'm screwed up in the head. I like figuring out how can I get an extra half a percent ROI here and how do I get a little edge over there? Those types of things. Because at my volume, it makes a difference. You know, if I'm playing $4,000 in a night, you know, an extra extra 1% returns is 40 bucks. 40 bucks, hey, that's... Get, get me an extra 40 bucks a day, right? Get me an extra 40 bucks a day for 300 days a year, that's 12,000 bucks. Give it to me. I'll take it. If that's, if all I need to do is, you know, find the edges a little here, a little optimized there and make sure my process and game selection and everything is good and I get an extra $12,000 for doing it, I'm going to do it. Why wouldn't I? Oh, it's not fun doing it that way. Well, that's why I find it fun making an extra $12,000. <laughs> that That's just me. If you're on the same wavelength as me, we'll get along. But if you're like, I want to have fun and watch the games and, you know, sweat something and did like, I'm, I'm not that person. I'm not even going to watch the two games tonight. I have, no, I have no, no care in the world to watch basketball. Right. That, but that's just me, but that's the reasoning behind it. But I think most people that watch my stuff are on the same page. They get it. They get it. That, that. That's, that's, that's what, that's what I teach. That's what I preach. That's what I, 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 I walk the talk. I talk the walk. I do. I eat I eat my own dog food. I show everything transparently. This is what I do. Let's see. Joe Stroop asks, on a two-game slate, would you have exposure to every player? It's always some weird guy who goes off at like 2% ownership. I mean, you could. Build good lineups. Who cares about the exposure? Build lineups that have a high enough projection and low enough ownership. They just happen to have... uh, raul nito in it then so be it am i likely to play guys that are, are are projected to play only like six minutes probably not but they also project low so i mean like <laughs> like when 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 a player is is three thousand and projected for five points unlikely to be in a good lineup to begin with there's no reason why you can't play you know guys that are getting 20 minutes 15 minutes, Tyus Jones, 3,100. He could could end up in the winning lineup. Who knows? Care more about what the lineup looks like, not exposures. Exposures are just a byproduct of your diversification. They're not part of your strategy. Build a good lineup. Brian Tedeschi, can you show us in lineup HQ on how you would set your settings that would be optimal for cash streams? Well, the settings for cash, is it here, this is the, I'll show you. You see these projections? These are the 4.59 a.m. projections. Are we going to get, is there any updates this morning? Did they wake up this morning yet? Any manual updates? Let's see. Oh, no, 4.59. Okay, I'll show you in Lineup HQ how I make my cash log, okay? You want to look at my settings? My settings don't even matter, so it doesn't, whatever. It doesn't. Set it to default, who cares? None of these, none of this, for cash games, none of this matters, right? So here's my settings. So who cares? Reset them all, right? Here's my player groups. Nothing, right? I got nothing. I got nothing. It's just nothing. Here's, here's my cash lineup. There you go. You see it. There you go. Westbrook, Beal, Advija, Clark, Wagner, Doncic, Richardson, Lopez. It's the highest meeting lineup based on our projections. Currently, as of whatever, at five, five in the morning. It'll change. They'll make the adjustments. There you go. I'm just, all I'm looking for is the highest median lineup. There you go. Done. Give it to me. Cash game's over. We're done. That's it. Done. I know know it sounds stupid, but that's that's what it is. Your goal is to make the highest median lineup. To finish 50, 55th percentile in your contest. Double ups, head to heads, that type of stuff. There you go. Done. Now for GPPs, it depends on what lineups you want to make. Right? If I go in and just make 20 lineups with no default or whatever, I'm just going to get the top 20 optimals right 49k whatever i could set this even lower who cares this is just gonna get me the 20 top after opt- you're gonna see the lineup that was just there right right 257.60 right there and it's the next one 257.26 256.95 256.68 you're getting tons of memphis washington based on our projections and then some dallas not much spurs Right. You know, I don't even know if you get any, you get any, I'll like tell the jobs in two lines, right? You get a bunch of this. Now, if you just play these 20 lineups, like these, these are probably not good large field GPP lineups. These are more like cash lineups. Now in a two game slate, the negative correlation, you're going to have to kind of don't care as much about, because there's only so many choices. Can Bradley Beal and Russell Watford both get there? Well, how many points do they need on a two game slate? You don't need them both to get seventy points. It's only two games, so you kind of have to throw some of the negative correlation stuff out the window a little. So you go here. It's like okay, well, you could play these lineups, but I don't consider them to be good lineups because these are going to be heavily duplicated. If the if the projections are good, I mean, this is as of five in the morning. I mean, just who knows what's going to look like when they make manual adjustments our, our our projections team. But this is if you only have. Like one unique player from each from each uh, between lineups. Do you want to have that little diversification between your lineups? Who knows? That's up to you. But let's say you're like, okay, well, I don't want to play Westbrook and Beal together. Okay, let's say let's say you don't want to. So you go into the groups and you say, I don't want to build build any lineups with Westbrook and Beal together. Maybe I don't want to build any lineups with uh, with uh, Murray and DeRozan together. DeRozan together, right? Maybe we don't want the uh, two centers from the same team. We don't want Lopez and, and Wagner together or something like that. We don't want that together. We take a look and it's like a lot of lineups are going to be, we don't have ownership, but I'm saying a lot of lineups are going to be Luka plus Westbrook or Beal, like that type of lineup and Joe Val probably at the center. So I'm visualizing what the popular lineups are looking like. Now I could make it that I I don't play like Luca and Westbrook together. That's a blunt way of saying, I don't want my lineups to look like that. But let's say we set a little bit of diversification so we get two per. We don't touch anything else. We're going to do everything with exposures to get the lineups that we want. I'm I'm using the we in quotations. So we already have some of that. Maybe we don't want to play Luca and, and, and Porzingis together. Maybe we don't do that you can choose to if you want i'm just i'm just giving some parameters for Zingas. so basically i mean based on our projections the spurs guys are going to come in the lowest owned so obviously for a large field gpp i have to think in terms of i'm going to probably be over the field on Spurs. right so build 20 lineups like this let's see let's see what happens right we get a we can still get 100% we get 100% luka okay but he's probably going to be the most popular guy Right in the small, well, these point guard here, small forward on FanDuel now. So let's say we, I'm going to cut that down to 50%. I'm going to cut, you know, we're, we're still going to be playing Spurs, right? Spur. We're playing Spurs for leverage, possibly. Like that's one way to go. So let's say instead we'll, we'll cut him, Luca, to 50%. But let's make it, we go to the Spurs. They don't project well. I mean, look at this. They don't project well. Murray, DeRozan, White, Keldon Johnson. That's probably the, I mean, you could play any of these other guys, but let's just take these four guys. Maybe we don't want to play White in that group either, right? We don't mind Keldon Johnson, but let's say in this player group that we have with uh, DeRozan and Murray, maybe we we don't want to play White. They kind of share the same backcourt. So we're only playing one of these guys. Keldon Johnson, we don't mind, okay? Okay. Now, if we're going to play, a lot of people may play Luka lineups without Spurs in them. So maybe we want to force that. We want to force a little, we want to force leverage by pairing Luka. So I take the conditional player, Luka, and I add those four Spurs players. DeRozan, Murray, White, and Keldon Johnson. And I put minimum one, maximum two. Now, we already have a group that says you can't play more than one of these, the 3D guys. So if there's going to be two in there, it's going to be one of these guys and then Kelton Johnson. So it's not going to be a DeRozan-Murray lineup or DeRozan-White lineup or a Murray-White lineup, right? But in every Luka lineup, I'm putting a Spur in my lineup because a lot of the lineups, as of right now, I would think, are going to have Luka without any Spurs in them. But obviously, if Luka gets a ceiling that means the game probably ended up being somewhat close right close enough luca gets 60 points probably the spurs made it competitive so let's let's roster some spurs so now we're going to do this i would build 20 lineups now now we have no ownership here to compare it to but we look here luca's in 50 percent of the lineups just so i could get we got a ton of jonis valanciunas so now we have some different lineups. We have Clark and Valanciunas. Maybe we want to split him up, right? But here we go: Luca plus Keldon, Luca plus Derek White, Luca plus Keldon, Derek White, Luca. We get a lot of a lot of at least one spur in these Luca lineups. We're still getting a lot, a lot of Memphis, a lot of Memphis. Maybe we don't want to play Morant, Melton, and Brooks together. Maybe we don't want. to Play guys from this and Winslow, maybe. So we do that. So let's say we go into player groups. And we say maybe we don't want to play Clark. Clark and Valanchunas together, maybe. Maybe we go in and we we don't want to play Morant plus Melton plus Winslow. Like something like this. Plus Brooks, maybe. 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 I don't know. I don't know if that matters. We don't. We play at most one of these guys. So now we can build twenty more lineups, right? Now we're starting to get away from that median, you know, that two fifty seven. But we, these are still decent lineups. Now we're playing Hardaway, Luca Richardson, Hart. Maybe we don't want to do that. Maybe we don't want to play Richardson and Hardaway together. They kind of come in and out for each other. I mean, it's but they're all viable on a two game slate. But let's just say. Let's say we're doing do Richardson. And Hardaway. Maybe Brunson. We throw Brunson into that group as well. Or do we should we throw Brunson? Yeah, maybe. Okay, we throw that in. Let's take a look at the lineups. 255. Like now, now we're now we're now we're talking a little bit. Right? We get Brooks, Valentunas. We're still we're getting that one spur in, but we're not getting we're still not getting that many spurs in our 20 build. We're getting a lot of valenciunas because like center is like garbage. Right. Who's, I mean, who's at center day. I mean, just garbage. I mean, Porzingis, I guess, Clark, Hachimura, I mean, just poorly projected players outside of Joval, but that'll also make him popular. So maybe I want to cut down on that. So I'm just going to put on 50% there. I take a look at, you know, so, okay, we got a bunch of Kelden Johnson. So now that we're not, we're only getting 50% Jonas, I'm assuming other centers are going to start coming up. Wagner's going to come up, right? So maybe I cap him. So I don't get as much of him. I I cap Rui. I cap Lopez. just, Just so that no one is like 100%. Just we have more diverse lineups. 50, Porzingis 50, Clark 50, whatever. Anyone else that's center eligible here? No. Let's build 20 lineups again. Okay. I get a lot of Josh Richardson, Russell Westbrook, Beal Wagner. I don't mind that. Right? So we're still, where are the Spurs? We're still not, we're still not getting that much Spurs. We're still, DeRozan's gone. He just said goodbye. So maybe we force some DeRozan in. And I also have to consider making the groups the opposite way. I'm making, if DeRozan's in the lineup, make sure Luka or Richardson or Hardaway or someone from the, from the Mavericks is on the other side. So I'm doing this. So maybe I go to DeRozan and I force him in. I have at least a, a 10, what, two lineups? Let's force him into, what, 20%. So out of 20 lineups, it's four lineups. So I'm forcing him in, right? I'm going to force Murray in, not lock him in. Force him into 20%. It's for Derek White. Just get all these Spurs like that. Let me cap Richard. Cap all these guys at fifty percent. Just for the, not saying you would. I mean, you could. You could play all the Western Russell Westbrook you want. I just want to see a different. I just want to see as many diverse lineups as possible. So you do that. Build twenty lineups, or a hundred, or whatever, whatever the number is. Are we're getting Vision Beal. Maybe okay. We forgot to do that. Get get rid of that. But maybe Beal will be half as owned as Westbrook. Maybe Beal outscores Westbrook. Maybe you do something like that. And you could always name these builds. You could you could pull out lineups if you want. You could also delete like up all the other bills that were there. Now we got a ton of Keldon Johnson, Derek White, Murray. Still got one lineup with Tyus Jones in it. Just in case, you never know. Then I start looking through these lineups and go, "Okay, this is this is doable, right? We got that spur there. We got we still got a lot of ad, 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 how do you Denny? I just call him Denny. Derek White still got four wizards." Maybe the Wizards are going to still be too popular. Maybe you want to do this. Maybe you want to go in and you go, uh, there's too many lineups with four Wizards in it. Maybe there's too many lineups with three Wizards in it. It's Your choice. How do you want to get different from the field? So maybe you go into build rules, go to players per team, and you go, don't want to play more than two Washington players. And I don't want to play more than three Memphis players or something like that. So you're forcing in more Spurs and Mavericks right because that's how you're being different most people are going to be playing most of most of their roster spots being Washington Memphis and not as much Spurs Mavericks as of now as of what I'm just looking at projection wise so if I did 2-2 max that means obviously in an eight spot lineup that means at least four players needs to come from Spurs and Mavericks. So let's try it this way, right? Let's say, okay, I want to focus more on this game and I'm just use the blunt tool of just no more than two. I just built lineups. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Right. Obviously we're going to get a lot more Dory and Finney Smith and Richardson. You get a lot more of those guys, right? You going to get less Robin Lopez and Rui and Denny, right? To take a look, you have Beal Wagner on, on the Washington side. You have Brooks Valanchunas on the Memphis side. Then you got, Luca, Jay Rich, Kleber, and then Derek White. Then Derek White opposite. Okay, what's wrong with this lineup? Let's go down to you know lineup nine here. Get two crappy Wizards together with Morant and Joval. but you get Keldon and Demar together with Luca and Josh Richardson. Like, what's wrong with this lineup for a large field GPP? Nothing. Nothing's wrong with this lineup. Getting different. Tyus Jones and Dylan Brooks with Dorian Finney Smith. Right? Focusing more on the other game, the less popular game, as of now. And you're playing a Chalk Luca, but at least you're playing him with what should be a lower-owned DeRozan. Same here. Lower-owned Keldon Johnson. Derek White. Derek White would probably be a little bit owned. Or decently enough owned for a two-game slate. So this this is this is. I'm making lineups, people. This is this is what making lineups. It's a two-game slate. So obviously, you don't have so much to, to work with. But this is how you... Like, I'm not setting my exposures based on I want 50% of this guy. No, I'm looking through lineups. What do these lineups look like? Which means I need to have a bunch of these guys. Oh, how do you have 50%, 50% Dorian Finney-Smith? Well, in order to make these type of lineups, I need to have 40 50% Dorian Finney-Smith. It's inevitable. But mathematically, if his, the projections are, are accurate, then that's what the person that, that's who should be fitting in there. We go to the DFS lineups, the Dory and smith lineups, and go, well, he's 4,500, and he's projected for 21 points, medium-wise. Who else he you going to play? He fits in there. There you go. See, this lineup, I don't necessarily like as much. That's not that bad I guess right I'm just trying to think it seemed like there were too many mavericks in there but it's fine but to me this is making lineups Am I, did, did I did I talk about like who's going to smash today? no I have no idea I, that, that's what the numbers are here for I don't care it's just what whatever the numbers say the numbers are that's it. How do I now how do I build lineups based on that that are that are going to be different yet still projected well. Remember the the optimal lineup, right? We'll bring it up right here because you could do that in the sidebar. Is two fifty seven point six. The twenty lineups that I made right now are two fifty five point three, which is like just two point three points lower. And even the twentieth lineup I made is two forty four point one. Two forty four point one is uh, like healthily like. 13 points under, like the large luck box field? Okay, start throwing this line up in. 13 points on a two-game slate, you're fine. Large field-wise. Small field-wise, maybe you're, you're looking more towards the upper end. You know, the 250 to 254 type of range. Obviously, you'll get owners. You'll be able to see the ownership projections at some point today. So you now you have another figure to judge it against. How owned is this lineup going to be versus how projected it's going to be? It's the same. It's the same I talk about every day. So you showed this is this is how I would build line. If I had a twenty set of lineups, this is exactly how I'd go about building it. Exactly. I strategized. I came up with the strategy of these Spurs are going to be under owned because they don't project well, and it's a two game slate. So I think the Wizards Memphis game, that's going to be the higher own game and Luca from the Mavericks. So why don't I take advantage of how do I play Luca? Well, let me play it with the Spurs and then screw the Wizards, screw Moran, screw Joe Val. How many lineups can I build good enough lineups like that? And I can. So I'm going to build lineups like that. Doesn't mean you can't play. You could play a a game stack of the watch. You can play the other way. Play the, Grizzlies Wizards game as a stack, play seven guys from that game, and then fade Luca and just play some scrub from you could play well, you could play a Spur. You could play, you know, any you could play Kleber, and that's the only guy that you have. And as long as Kleber gets 20 points, you're good. And then you fade Luca. Like you could do it that way. We could have I could have just easily done the other way around and said, screw the Spurs, screw Luca. How many ways can I stack the Wizards Memphis game? And am I going to get enough of an ownership discount to do so versus the projection? Could have done it that way. My natural inclination was at a 14, it's a four-team slate. And the Spurs are going to be the lowest owned out of the bunch. So maybe they get there. Let me do it that way. That's what you should be thinking about. Steven Martin asked Splendor do FanDuel cash lineups. Generally hold well in quintuple ups, thousand entry field, even with payouts only in the top twenty percentile. Only asking because I remember you play mentioned playing quintuples. I mean, it, if you're building a good enough lineup, sure, why not? You're trying to capture upside. You're not going to. You, you only have to cash in a quintuple up one out of one out of five times to break even, right? One out of four times with the rake. I mean, I it's not. I'm not putting them in. That's not a bulk of my volume. I play, I play my one FanDuel cash lineup in mostly head-to-heads and 50-50s, but then some in triples, some in kints. So if it does score towards the top end of a double up, I'm not just doubling my money because I'm also in triple ups and kints. So I'm getting three X's and five X's up there also. But if I play $2,000 a volume on FanDuel for that one cash lineup, I'm not playing 500 of it in double ups, Right. I'm playing like a 1,000 of it in head-to-heads, 800 to 1,000 in head-to-heads. I'm playing five to two 50s 200 in double-ups, and then like the last hundred are the double-ups and stuff. A single-entry GPP, a $25 single-entry GPP. So like 5% of the volume. I mean, that's why I show on my, well, that's my email that's why I show. That's why I put the tilde there because it's just an approximate. I try to get around 60% head-to-heads, 35% double-ups, 50-50s, and 5% triple-ups or above. So if I'm playing, like today, if I play $3,800 worth of volume, like that'll be like $170 bucks in like some upside type of contests. Like $170 bucks out of $3,800. So like the other $3,600 is still in Mostly head-to-heads, double-up, stuff like that. But if I do score well, if that lineup does score well, at least I get some upside there. And I'm only putting only a portion of my volume towards it. I think that's perfectly fine. Going through the YouTube chat. Let's see, go through. I always have to scroll down and then scroll up to see all the old questions. Uh, Daniel Hutchins says, uh, which is true, another benefit for playing smaller field GPPs for beginning players is the reduced variance means you get an idea of your relative ability much faster. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're playing against probably better players, but I mean, you get a sense and you're not going to know that in a month anyway. Let's see. People are asking if I'm playing less tonight since it's only two games. Yeah, because the variance is going to be stupid. Am I going to play $3,800? Probably not. Probably $2,500. I don't even know if I'm going to play on Yahoo tonight. I didn't enter anything on Yahoo. I may just play FanDuel and and DraftKings. Okay. Uh. Do-do-do-do-do. People are talking poker, right? Because Alex is here. Alex, I got to get you on uh, the Theory of DFS podcast some point soon. I'll, I'll DM you, whatever. I don't know why I have to say that live on a, a, a show, whatever. People talking about poker. Doesn't matter, who cares? Uh going through. Max Kosh asks, can you explain how the ceiling consistency tool relates to smash percentage and lineup HQ? For example, Tyus Jones consistently crushes in that tool. However, the smash percentage is zero. Uh, Yeah. The ceiling consistency tool is, is descriptive, not predictive. That's what that one of the big things. When you look at stats is having is knowing what's descriptive and what's predictive most, a lot of stats that get thrown around in any sport, are very descriptive. They describe the past, but they can't predict the future. So his ceiling consistency, uh, his consistency in the past 40 games is X. Well, that doesn't show. Well, what happens if his minutes change today? What happens if a guy's out today? What is going to happen today? What does it matter what happened in the past 40 games? Well, oh, his ceiling is 50 points. Yeah, when Morant's out and when everyone in the backboard is out. Sure. Well, what does that matter if he's getting 15 minutes today? Doesn't matter. The projections that you're looking at in Lineup HQ are the the all the variables for just today's game. Now he does have a prior. He does. All these players do have rates and usages and everything from a prior that regress over time. But if you're taking a sample size from, it's like, oh, in these 40 games he did X. So what does that have to do with today? Who cares about the ceiling consistency of descriptive results? What are the variables that are at factor today? And then you simulate that out. And that's where you get the range of outcomes for today. You don't have to describe the past. The past is the past. Who cares about it? So that's the difference. So that's why, like I always say, even the correlation matrix for NBA. Like, those are, like, yeah, one guy's points is related to another guy's points. You're right. Okay, great. That's for the median, for, like, okay. They're they're correlated by, by you know, point oh eight. It's like, okay. But that doesn't mean, can they hit their ceilings together? No, that's not what that tool is telling you. The correlation matrix tool that we have, that's not going to tell you who can hit their ceiling at the same time. The better way of lo- looking at that is to, Backload and backtest all those times and see which you know when one player hit seven X did it, uh, what other players hit seven X. But even then, you're going to get into sample size problems because you're going to have some games where two guys didn't play together, or another guy was out, or they only ran a seven man rotation. So, like, like even that is 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 questionable. A lot of that is going to be noisy, but the, the the correlation tool is just going to show you. Whose points are more, if you looked on that graph, you know, from an, an R perspective, whose lines are closer to each other? But the winner GPP, like, okay, these two, when these this guy gets gets five X, this other guy gets five X. So they're correlated to one another. Right? When this guy gets five and a half X, this guy gets five and a half X. But when this guy gets seven X, the other guy gets four X. So who cares that they're 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 more correlated in that median range when in gpps you care about like you, you need one of them to go for 10x or whatever which means the other guy probably doesn't yet when they but they both go for 5x that very fairly frequently so their correlation will be high but their ceiling correlation will be very low so you have to look at the context of when you when you look at all these tools and the stats what is useful for dfs when you're looking for, for positive and negative correlation, I'm looking for, for, for 80th percentile results. Two guys that are correlated at the 50th percentile, what, what does that get me in GPPs? Nothing. Great, they both don't have a, a flame emoji. Well, thanks. Now, when one guy has a flame emoji, does the other guy have a flame emoji? That, that's, the only, that's the only thing I care about. And that, that tool is not going to tell you that. So that's, that's the difference. People are talking about poker in the chat. So who cares? So we'll get out of here then, right? I showed some stuff. We talked, we, we actually did some stuff about today's two-game slate. We built some lineups. Who knows what's going to happen? They're going to change the projections. Someone's going to be out. They're going to find Luca somewhere in a back alley somewhere. He can't play. Who knows what's going to happen, right? <laughs> Even though it's a two-game slate after the All-Star break, someone's going to sit for rest. And I'm going to wonder why, right? We're all going to wonder, why does this guy have to sit He's been rested for, for for a week, and or or there's an ankle sprain. Doubtful, something's going to happen. It's going to happen inevitably. I see because you would think on any sl- at any other slate, it would this this is the slate where what what we know right now is going to be what happens. But we say that, and then it, and then it doesn't. Then the slate's thrown up into flux. COVID protocols. One of the games are canceled. Right, the slate's over as it is. You never know with NBA DFS. But that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here every day, every day, every weekday. Not the weekends. I have to take I have to take some time off, answering your questions, going over some slates. We'll we'll talk. We'll see what the exposures are to, tomorrow on, uh, for 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 this because that's what I uh, now I get, could actually review a slate. And we're still like we're like three weeks away from MLB. Can we make it? Can we make it three weeks to MLB before I go insane with all the NBA news? late swap and everything. I want, I want to be able to just at like seven o'clock be done. Be like, okay, now I can just sit on the couch. Maybe I turn on a baseball game. Maybe I don't have to worry about like keeping up and swapping and everything until 10 o'clock. I can't wait, but I'll be here guiding you the whole way through answering your strategy questions. Uh, Keeping the apple juice cold, hit that thumbs up button. Give me the thummy thumbs on your way out the door. We got Grinders Live slash crunch time slash something, something, something 7.30, 7 o'clock. Maybe a free crunch time. It may be free today. I don't know. I didn't look at the schedule. There's something coming up later to, before lock for the NBA slate tonight. Uh, but, uh, but I'll see you tomorrow. On another edition of the DFS pregame show here on rotogrinders.com.